Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing Dr. Gail Randall. She's healing the world through body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Gail, welcome. Oh my goodness. So I debated whether I should come onto this naked because I saw you on Instagram. And it's yeah, shot- why not? Let's do it. <laughs> oh my God. What is your trick to your beauty? Oh, you're so sweet. I have this program called Adding Years and Growing Younger. It's not rocket science, you know, it's eating well, it's exercising. And most of all, it's like your internal attitude and light and knowing that it's going to be okay and knowing you can do it. And of course, I do take a lot of supplements and I'm a vegan for the most part, you know, all that stuff. And I, I feel like I'm living my purpose. I know why I'm here and I'm doing it. So that makes me very happy. Do you think that that keeps you young? I think it does. Tell me about your uh, supplement list. Well, I think everybody needs to take vitamin D, of course. And right now, quercetin, because of the COVID thing, drink a lot of green tea, quercetin, repel the COVID, but it also helps the zinc channels open. So the quercetin opens the zinc channels. You take zinc, it goes inside the cells where the virus goes. And if little few get in there, it kills it. It also keeps it from going in there. So it's like a natural hydroxychloroquine without the nasty side effects. And then the other one is NAC. So all of those are my little COVID package. But then for me personally, I take theracumin because I think inflammation is the final common pathway to any chronic disease. And theracumin is my choice of a curcumin because it gets the highest levels of curcuminoids in the bloodstream because it's water soluble or else mine that's on my Shopify, which is fat soluble, anything to raise the levels in your bloodstream of free curcuminoids because that's anti-inflammatory and then fish oil and then don't eat inflammatory foods, which are sugar, industrially raised meat, particularly all super inflammatory stuff to do. Oh my gosh. So you do all of that? I do all of that and more. I actually have an Instagram TV on adding years and growing younger, which I go into more depth, but yeah. And how long have you been doing that? Years. I was probably one of the first people to ever do integrative medicine before there was even a name for it. I was doing it. And then I said, this is, I was at UCLA. I was a tenured vested professor and I left to go do integrative medicine. They're going like, oh, she's nuts. Turns out I wasn't nuts. And it turns out I did see the future and here we are, right? So integrative medicine is the way to go. Yeah. So I want you to take me back to Nebraska. Okay, let's do it. We say Nebraska is a great place to be from. (laughs) Although I love Nebraska. And then it was a different world. It was wheat fields and horses and cornfields. And it was beautiful. And I'd run out my back screen door and go lie in between the corn stalks and watch them sway back and forth. And my teachers told me that I was tuning into nature. I was tuning into nature. I'm also interested too, like, I know that you spent some time at an Indian reservation. We got a chance to go to Indian reservations or go to outstate Nebraska. Of course, being the overachiever that I am, I did both. I went and spent some time with the 
Sioux. They're not, they don't call themselves Sioux. They call themselves Lakota and had some very interesting experiences where I was really invited into the medicine people's house. And they told me their ancestors told them to teach me their ways, which was very unusual for a white girl. And especially during the times of AIM and all that American Indian movement and everything else. But it was something special about me. And eventually they told me, you know, you are supposed to take this to your people and teach them about the sacred wheel and integrate it into your medicine. That's the whole key for integrated medicine is a holistic approach. And that was the framework that I formed Soul Doctory on. So how did I get here from there? I sent myself to school in Nebraska because the only way I was going to go to school and medical school. And, and I went there because it was cheaper. I wanted to come to California. And then I found out what a really good school it was in Nebraska. And I was number one draft pick to come here to UCLA and train. And that's how I got here. I feel like you were in a unique position with the medicine man. Like it's not very common that white people are just welcomed in like that. No, of course not. I was, and I, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful to them. And I could understand at one point they said, okay, now, you know, it's time for you to go. We've done what we need to do. And you, you move on and carry these teachings with you. And that's what I've done. So it was part of my path to get to my sole purpose. How could anyone else enter that circle? Would it even be possible? Maybe not that circle. But now, you know, I personally teach people all the time. That's what I do. I'm a teacher. I'm teaching the same principles, but I don't call it that. Like shamanism 101 is if I put my hand on your shoulder and I look in your eyes and I connect with you. I mean, I did this in emergency rooms. That's shamanism 101. And then they're like, oh, their heart rate goes down. Their need for pain medication goes down, you know, and it's immediate. It's caring. Shamanism 101 is caring and being interested in that person. If you listen to a person, they will tell you everything. And then when they do, you'll hear the answer to their illness in that story, because we have the training. How was that received at UCLA? You know, pretty good. Amazingly, I've always been received fairly well, I guess, maybe it's just my personality or whatever. But like, even when I was an intern, I had a patient with what's called sideroblastic anemia, something that can turn into leukemia. And he kept bouncing back with severe pneumonias because he didn't have the immunity because he had a disorder in the way his blood processed bacteria. So I said, hey, you know, I read that certain young kids, if you give them high doses of folic acid, that you can make this go away. You can raise the white cells. And I'm going to get him to quit drinking and smoking. And he said, yeah, sure, have at it. You know, in those days, we could do that. Now it's a little more strict. But yeah, so he improved because of vitamin therapy. Wow, that's amazing. Can you think about any other times where you really felt like you were able to stare into people's eyes and make a difference and think outside the box? Every time. I mean, sometimes they thought I was the nurse, but that was okay. You know, I'd say, Why did you now, decide to leave that? UCLA, you mean? Yeah. Because I felt that I had formed as much integrative medicine. We started it at UCLA, actually, with a man named Emron Meyer, who is now the author of New York Times bestseller, Mind Gut Connection. And he also had a very similar path. He was my first podcast guest. I have people on that have done something on the planet that's unique, that have changed the planet. He was my colleague back then, and we had 
other practitioners, Ayurvedic, Native American, Chinese, see our clients, our digestive disease clients that had reached a dead end. And then we sort of sat back and said, oh, how'd they do? And not surprisingly, in every single case, they did better. That was kind of our first thing. That was like a landmark study that we did. And then we went out to the desert and we had other, we had consensus conferences. The dean came. We thought, were we going to get in trouble? Quite the opposite. Very well received. And so every time we've done something like that. And so then I felt it's time to take it out. So I went out and fought it on the front lines while Emerin stayed in and became the ultimate academician. And he fought it out from the inside. Talk to me about what a soul path is. Well, your soul path is when you, you're on your path to find your purpose, your meaning and purpose in life. I mean, research has been done on that. That's when you're the most fulfilled, the most happy, and you feel in your body, you know, this is it. It might change, but you know, you might have more than one, but ultimately it's a one thing. And you'll find that, you know, your previous soul past kind of led you to the one where you end up. I was born to be a bridge between worlds, between the world of ancient medicine and modern science. When you bring them together, that's where the power is. That's where the future of medicine was. That's how I saw it back then. And now I say, welcome to the future. Speaking about your soul path, you told me that you also were part of the University of Judaism Collective. Can you tell me about that chapter? Yeah, I call myself omni-spiritual because I've been part of many different religions in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I went to the University of Judaism. I became very interested. And when I do like this immersion thing, and so I did it with Judaism, and I still love, love, love it. I, I love the stories. I love how the stories have different meanings. And it really much, very much reminds me of Native American medicine, actually. You know, I did the whole thing. I did the mikvah and I did the bat mitzvah and I, I still love it. Yeah. What were the classes like? The classes were not huge. It was more personable. It's comparable to Native American medicine. To me, it is. That's really cool that you've studied both and can see a connection there. Yeah. I, I like to see samenesses. You know, for instance, like the Navajo medicine wheel is almost an exact replica of a Tibetan mandala. Did you ever participate in like a sweat lodge or anything like that? Oh, many, many, many sweat lodges. Yes. My favorite ceremonies were the women's ceremonies, which were dream circle, which I still do, although I can't now because of COVID. The dream circle is a woman's ceremony where the women gather and it's usually done. I don't know if you ever heard of something called the red tent. It's usually done in a tent or like a lodge. And then you use a, a stone to pass around to identify who's the speaker in the lodge and you present your dreams. And we believe that dreams are messages from your soul. And it's most useful when you present them in a circle of wise women who can reflect to you what they feel about your dream. And then once that stone goes all the way around that circle, you understand something about yourself that you didn't know before. And from sweat lodges too. Sweat lodges are for like cleansing and praying and sending out prayers. And you go inside this well, womb-like dwelling. And then they bring in these hot stones through this tiny door flap and they're like hot and orange and crackling. And they put them in this pit in the middle of this dome and they close the flap and it's pitch black. And then it heats up like a sauna or whatever. And then you pray or you drum and you pray and you get a chance to speak if you want to. 
you do like four rounds of it usually because four is a sacred number, four directions. I kind of want to experience that now. Oh yeah, you do. I also experienced and took part in sun dancing, which is a whole nother level. I was invited to join you dance in the desert in the summer to the tree of life for four days and four nights without food and water. And you cry for a vision. And that's where I got my first vision for my book was in a Sunday. I just got the chills. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Not eating or drinking for four days and four nights is a, is a good sacrifice, you know, <laughs> it's good enough to get a vision. You really do go into a transcendent state where you don't need to eat or drink anymore. You eat and drink the light of the sun. And I never saw anybody get hurt in a Sundance. As a matter of fact, I saw people get healed. I saw one lady get healed from diabetes. Every time I sundanced, out of the blue sky, like your background, would come these clouds. And a rainbow, usually a circle, would come right over the sundance circle. You dance in a circle. And cold rain would pour down. And it would just revive you. Again, wake up your chi, right? And then go. I don't feel like you come across this every day. Well, maybe not. I think that I was given this path so that I would awaken in a certain way and I could share that with other people. That's tremendous. I'm also really interested because I love mikvah. Did you have anything like in mikvah that came into your mind, that came into your soul that you wanted to pray for? Yeah, I did. I mean, first of all, I was just wanted to cleanse. But the thing that I was really moved most by was my mother came, my Catholic mother. <laughs> from Omaha, Nebraska, came to witness her daughter do a mikvah to convert from, I really wasn't anything though. I mean, I, I've always been sort of omni-spiritual. I wasn't Catholic. I was Catholic for a while, but I wasn't her breed of Catholic, I guess, just that she would come. So I prayed to be a mother like her. That's so beautiful. How did she respond to that? She loved it. She loves me. Whatever I did, she always supported me. And, and I think partly what made me what I am, because she always told me I could do anything I wanted. And I believed her. <laughs> Most a lot of mothers tell their kids that, but I mean, I believed her, you know? What about your dad? Did he tell you that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> what was he like? He was an amazing guy. He was six foot eight. I think he bordered on genius in terms of his IQ, but he was very stern. My mom said he changed when he got back from the service. He was very hard on me, especially hard on me compared to the other children. And I think that he saw something in me that either frightened him or he wanted to teach me caution or something because he saw this very spiritual little girl and maybe it frightened him a little bit or something. For instance, all the other kids got their way paid through school. I did not. And when I went to high school, I was only allowed three outfits to wear, which I thought was kind of mean, you know, but I said, okay, I'll make this work. If that's the way it is, I'll make it work. Maybe it was something just to make me stronger. And now you're quite the fashionista. <laughs> Why? I, would, I wear no clothes. <laughs> yeah. What would he think of that? Oh, I don't think he'd like that. <laughs> What prompted that? I was the female thinker and I was doing my usual thing, thinking how I would benefit the planet. Can you tell my audience what soul doctoring is? After I spent my time with indigenous cultures, it became very clear to me that the connection with the earth and the directions, the east being the mental, the south being the 
the heart or the emotional, the West being the physical and the North being the spiritual, and then the soul being the center or the God within. That was my framework to hang soul doctoring on. And then I immersed myself in 20 different healing modalities throughout the world and hung them on that framework like beautiful ornaments. And it became a whole system of healing. And if you read my book, you'll get it. But the main thing is that framework. And that goes back to the beginning of time. That's ancient. And when is your book coming out soon? Well, we have to pray. It's on several publishers' desks right now. Some people are interested. So we're waiting to hear. (laughs) That's quite an accomplishment, though, putting all of these frameworks together. Yeah, it only took a quarter of a century. but. Is there anything that you would still like to experience? There's this place in the desert. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a sound chamber. I want to go check that out. But since I haven't experienced it, I can't tell you in detail exactly what it is. I wonder what my daddy is going to say about this. (laughs) I think he's going to like it. He's probably done it. He may have. He has a sister who collects rocks and crystals and has done a lot of traveling. Uh huh. Is there anything you would like to ask my dad? I'd like to ask him if he believes in collective consciousness. That is a great question. I love that. Does he ever feel tuned in to the collective consciousness and understand the power of it and how we can help the planet by all tuning in there together? Also, please let my audience know how they can connect with you and find your podcast. And my website is drdrgmrandall.com. My Instagram is at drgailrandall, D-R-G-A-Y-L-E-R-A-N-D-A-L-L. My Facebook is, I have two, Dr. Gail Space Randall and then Randall Wellness. My podcast, which I just love, is my new love. It's called Soul Stories and it's just beautiful. The podcast is about people that have done something on the planet that has really changed it. And my book's called Soul Doctoring, Heal Yourself, Heal the Planet. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the Better Call Daddy Show, finally. Love it. (laughs) So nice to talk to you. So nice to talk to you, too. So, Daddy, what did you think? It's a very interesting conversation. And as you know, your father, while this was all happening, and I've heard it from other doctors as well, is that really taking this regimen of uh, vitamins, especially the vitamin D, the zinc, I'm taking iron, I'm taking, I do have oil pills that I take. I haven't taken them recently, but I think I'll start again. Certainly vitamin C and I take B12. It's been just miraculous. Not only does it help give you more energy, especially if you're trying to lose a little weight or you're dieting a little bit. The spiritual side is mentioned in this interview as well. And encouragement and praying to God and getting your inner self doing the right things with your life also keeps you healthy. If people do not have mental awareness of their health and they get depressed or they learn to have a bad attitude about things, guess what? I think that also shortens your life. So I think having good mental health is just as as important as what you eat. If you can't feed your soul and be positive with your prospects of life, I think it gets curtailed as well. I agree. Isn't it something that your dad has told you also is that if you concentrate and concentrate really hard 
there's a lot of times I could be thinking and thinking and thinking about certain people that are close to me. And all of a sudden they call me on the phone where they also feel some type of message. So I think mental telepathy is not only possible, but I think it's just undeveloped that a lot of human beings that can de develop that, that ability can send their thoughts across many, many, many miles to other people and can get connected. This is something for maybe uh, the future. But I think there's a lot of people that are able to train their mind where uh, they're able to get those brain waves to go to a higher degree. And as you know, uh, your father has gotten plenty of uh, dreams. And I'm not so sure it just comes from my soul. I think some of the connection is where I feel that I can connect even with the Almighty through my dreams, where he's able to give me certain messages. I wish I would listen to them all the time. I don't have to be in synagogue. I don't have to be in church to feel God's presence. I feel him wherever I'm at. It's very interesting also is that uh, in the Jewish faith, we have different fast days so that we are having these fast days. Is it just to help us concentrate more on our prayer with God on Yom Kippur and ask for forgiveness by not eating? Or is it also healthy once in a while to actually curtail yourself from eating and clean out or cleanse your body? Isn't that part of where it's not just a ritual for uh, mental thinking, but I think physically it's healthy to do where you don't go without food for, for a day every few months. I think that's a, it's actually a healthy thing. I think we also, when we're not thinking of material things and we're not thinking about food and we're not thinking about just ordinary physical presence, I think we mentally can think better also when we're not distracted by the physical needs of human beings. I don't do very well when I don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? We need food to survive, but sometimes we let the physical part of our body determine what we do. And sometimes it gets in the way of our spiritual reality. Would you do some of those experiences that she described? Well, that was the part that I thought was not necessarily necessary. I think you can have deep concentrations without passing out hot flaming rocks and pass them around. But to have discussions about deep concentrational thoughts that you might have, I think that's a positive thing. But I think you can do that having a cup of coffee uh, and all sitting at a table in a room or by the pool or by the beach where it doesn't necessarily have to be where we're dancing and having to go out on the desert and not eating or drinking for two or three days. I, I don't think necessarily uh, that the results would be any different. But I can't tell you because I obviously haven't gone out in the desert for three days to be able to say for sure that I know. I think that would cause me to see things differently for sure. When you're facing certain catastrophes in your life and certain crazy things happen where you've witnessed a child at the bottom of a pool or somebody getting run over by a car or somebody that was very close to you dies of cancer or dies from COVID. It certainly is a wake-up call where it does make you think about things and reflect on things and where your progress of your life is when you see that instantly things can change 
and disaster could wipe out everything that you might have even been building in your life. So we have to make sure that whatever we are building in our life, that we keep it in perspective and understand that everything that we have on this earth, that we're limited. She mentions in her interview that everybody has a purpose and a destiny. She tries to help people find theirs. The fact is, is that we all have the potential and the value to grow and succeed in this world. But is it just measured in dollars and cents? I think not. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah. <laughs>